John chapter 5 this morning. I studied this out this week. I feel God all over this message this morning. I don't know what your need may be today, but I believe God's got something here for you this morning. Honestly, I feel like Satan's been kind of fighting me ever since I studied it out. You ever have that? You ever seen that happen? You just, you know, God's working on something and you just can feel all the resistance and everything else about it. It's a powerful message this morning. I hope it'll be a blessing to you. Uh, I've got actually a couple, a couple to look forward to. I think I'm probably going to do a topical message soon. We've been talking about uh, waters of Shiloh and things that have come up various places in our studies that we've been doing with Sunday school on Wednesday nights and with the morning messages. So be looking forward to that sometime in the in the near future. But for this morning, John chapter 5 will be in verses 1 through 18. And I'm just going to go ahead and get right to it this morning, if that's okay. Uh, John chapter 5, starting in verse 1, Scripture reads this, After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem, by the sheep market, a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, Will thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole, and took up his bed and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. The Jews therefore said unto him that was cured, It is the Sabbath day. It is not lawful for thee to carry thy bed. They weren't even concerned with the fact that he was just healed. They only want to nitpick him because he's violating some rigorous ordinance of their precious law there right that jesus came to fulfill to begin with uh, but you see how that works and every time god's doing something there's always somebody who wants to show up uh criticizing and everything that's what, what happened here but the man answered him verse 12 then asked they him what man uh, hold on i got ahead of myself verse 11 he answered them he that made me whole the same said unto me take up thy bed and walk that's a good answer right I mean, he didn't know at that point in time, I think probably knew it was Christ. All he knew was he healed me and then he told me to take up thy bed and walk. And I figured that if he had the power to heal me, that I would just do the other thing he told me to do, whether you like it or not, basically, right? He said, take up my bed and walk. I'm going to take up my bed and walk because before he came along, I was uh, basically paralyzed for 38 years. 
Of course, they didn't really have anything to say to him for those 38 years he was there wanting to be healed. Amen. They only had something to say to him once he was walking. And, and anyway, so immediately he tells him that. And in verse 12, then they ask him, What man is that which said unto thee, Take up thy bed and walk? Verse 13, And he that was healed, uh, he that was healed wist not who it was. For Jesus had conveyed himself away, a multitude being in that place. Afterward, Jesus findeth him in the temple and said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come unto thee. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus which had made him whole. And therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus and sought to slay him because he had done these things on the Sabbath day. But Jesus answered them, My father worketh hitherto, and I work. Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him, because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but said also that God was his father, making himself equal with God. Amen. Let's kind of go back here, starting in verse 1, and we'll kind of go through these first 18 verses. So we've got Jesus. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. I would presume what this means is, Jesus, having been uh, come to fulfill the law, amen, and to, if the law was important to Jesus, he couldn't violate the law, so it was important that he would go to Jerusalem to keep this feast. It doesn't tell us exactly which feast it was. I do not presume this to be Passover. I typically find whenever the Passover is involved, the Bible tells us directly that it's the Passover, amen? Uh, but there was many other feasts in the uh, ceremonial law and, and things with the Jews. I'll tell you what I believe um, that this would signify. I, I believe we're looking at the Feast of Pentecost, but I don't know if it really matters here You know which feast it was. The point is they were having a feast. It would be one under the Jewish tradition. And Jesus, being a Jew, he went and, and fulfilled his commitments and, his, and to God to be obedient to the will of God. So he went up to Jerusalem and he was going to keep this feast. So while he's up here uh, in his journey here, there is at Jerusalem uh, by the sheep market, a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue, Bethesda, having five porches. The, the Bethesda, the word Bethesda translates means house of mercy. Okay. So it means house of mercy. Amen. Um, can I give you this this morning? First point, you can find Jesus wherever mercy is needed. Amen. He goes by this pool called it, it Bethesda. It's a place where mercy is greatly needed. As we go through here, what do we see? Five porches. Um, we, we know the exact location of this also today. Uh, a lot of people's like, well, nobody knows. No, we do know because the God, God's word tells us. It gives us an exact location. If you go to Jerusalem today, you can go to this exact site. They know exactly where it is, where this uh, miraculous uh, uh, pool of Bethesda and the five porches and everything is at. Okay, so we can see the exact location of it. Now, as we go on a little further here, we'll find the pools by the sheep gate. Five porches. Look what's happening here with these five porches. Um, and so these porches, what these are, just like a porch at your house, it's, it would be an open space, okay, where people can gather. 
So you can imagine with multitudes there that these are wide open spaces. There's five of them. They're surrounding this pool at Bethesda and, and, and it, they're there so that people can gather. Now, we see here a great multitude, it says, of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. And so what we have is a specific season, as the Bible tells us here in verse 4, for an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease that he had. This is, a, just, this is something I wrestled with because I know God, he, loved, he says he so loved the world, amen? And here's this situation where we've got this pool and, and an angel, it says that an angel comes down and troubles the water, amen? So God has to be in this, but it just seems, it just seems disappointing to me that after that water's troubled, only one person, the first person in there, gets the healing, amen? But there's a great multitude there. So, I mean, you can see that um, th this place has a, uh, a reputation for these healings to take place. If it didn't, they wouldn't be gathered there on the porch wanting to get in to the pool of Bethesda after the angel troubled the water. But, as we kind of went over a little bit in, in Sunday school with, with tragedy, we were looking at that in... 2 Kings chapter 4, every time we see tragedy striking a life, we oftentimes see, and we'll see it here in this chapter, we see a message in it, we see a purpose for it, and so God understands things that we don't understand, amen? Uh, but So here's this pool, and this angel comes down at a certain time, they obviously know when this is going to take place, so they wouldn't be gathered there, so they're gathered there. So the first thing is, we saw Jesus keeping the feast. We see Jesus coming to the pool where mercy is needed. You'll find Jesus. Amen. But I want to point something out here. This next several verses does a lot to show man's vain religion, does it not? Think about this. Five porches full of sick people. Sick people that are desperate to be cured. It's, it gives us a description here. Uh, some are blind, some are halt, some are withered, but they're all waiting for the moving of the water. Amen? We've got a great multitude of people. We've got uh, a great multitude that need to be cured. We've got many that are blind. We've got uh, uh, many that are, 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 are maybe paralyzed. But you know what? All of them are a picture of sinful man in our helpless state. All of them are a picture of us. And our inability to save ourselves, to help ourselves. Amen? They all needed help from God. Uh, it's sinful man in our helpless, blind, useless, decrepit state in need of God. Amen? They needed God. They needed Jesus. They needed healing. Amen? Uh, they're, in a, they're, they're in a terrible condition here. And they're in need of a miracle. Amen? Every single one of us in our sinful state are in need of a miracle from God. I just, Lord, help me preach this morning. Amen. I don't know why I feel so much resistance with this message today, but I, I, I'm feel, I feel that, but I'm going to preach this anyway. I just want you to put yourself in the position of these people for a second. Amen. Just think about this. Uh, they're, they're blinded. They're sick. Their, their physical condition, they're suffering, they're in pain, they're uncomfortable, they know they need help, all they want is to be helped, all they want is to be healed, all they want is to be whole. 
They want to be able to walk again. They want to be able to see. They want to be able to hear. They want to be able to speak. They want to be able to use their faculties and be. And so, can you imagine being in that state for a long time? And we look, and you look at this. All they wanted was to be free. Amen. Do you know in sin, when we are not saved, in our hearts, I know this to be true in my life anyway. I don't think anyone will disagree with me. When I was in sin and lost in my decrepit state, in my uselessness, in my, you know, I just, in my heart, I wanted to be free from that. I didn't want to be like that anymore. Amen. I just didn't know how to, I didn't know how to go about it. I didn't know what I needed. I didn't know where to turn. I didn't know how to break the cycle of sin in my life. You know why? Because you can't do it on your own. Amen? You can't do it on your own. I wanted to quit drinking. I wanted to quit drugs. I wanted to quit all the other stuff that I was, I was messed up on. and just I didn't want to be angry at life in the world anymore. I didn't want to be bitter anymore. I didn't want to be useless anymore. I didn't want to feel like life had no purpose anymore. All I wanted was to be free from that bondage I was in. That could be somebody here today just wanting to be free. But if you look at this, five porches, I want to point this out to you. I thought that this was significant. Uh, if you know, the, the, I think it's called the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, even though Genesis is really a historical book, is referred to as the Law of Moses. Amen? There's five books. Amen? Just like these five porches can't save any of these people that are gathered there, only one person that gets in that pool is going to get that healing. Amen? The five books of the law can't save man from their, most, uh, their, their biggest need. Amen? The deepest trouble that we have the law could not rescue us out of. Amen? Keeping the law of God is not going to, to fix our sin problem. Amen? You need the sacrifice of Christ. You need God's intervention. So here we see the religion of man. Here's these people. Here, here they are. A great multitude. There's a great multitude in vain religion today, folks. I want you to know that. Here's a great multitude. They're impotent folk. They're blind, they're halted, they're withering, they're waiting. Look at this. They're lingering around a pool of uncertainty. Amen? When they gather there, they don't know if they're going to be the one that gets in and gets healed or not. But they're still there because they're willing to take the chance. They've gathered. This is a form of religion here that we're seeing. They've gathered, but they're uncertain about the outcome. Amen? There's people going to church every day. They're gathered, but they're uncertain about their outcome in life. Why? Because they may have religion, but they don't have Jesus. Jesus gives us the certainty that I'm going to have eternal life. Amen? So here they are, lingering around a pool of uncertainty. They don't know if they'll be the one that gets in or not. You know what else it is? It's a pool of disappointment. Because there's a great multitude of people that are going to leave in the same condition that they showed up in. The pool of disappointment. The water that can only heal one. But you know what gets me? Jesus has already been doing miracles at this point. There was already multitudes that followed Him at this point. They were already talking about Him at this point and what He could do and the peoples that He's healed. and uh, He turned the water into wine and he, He's done this and He's done that. That's all they could talk about. Listen, they're all gathered at this pool. They're all worshiping in this religion of doubt and uncertainty and disappointment and, and waiting for this angel and they want to get in the troubled water. They're all there, but listen, Jesus is right there and they didn't even recognize Him when He showed up. Isn't that something? 
Folks, we've got a lot of churches today. A lot of people today. They're... I don't even know the words I'm looking for. They're worshiping religions of uncertainty. And they're gathered in pews with hearts full of doubt. And Jesus is right there and they don't even recognize Him. Amen? Isn't that something? Don't let us... Don't let that be our situation today. Don't let that be your situation today. You got to stand on the Bible. You got to learn that you got to learn the, the truths of the word of God. You got to take this and accept what it says to us. Amen. These things I have written unto thee that ye may know ye have eternal life. That's everything. If you don't understand anything else that's written in this Bible, understand this, that if you accept Christ in your heart and you accept that He died for your sins and He was put in a tomb and He rose again according to the Scripture and you believe in faith He did that because you're one of these blind, halted, sinful folk that can't save yourself and you just put all your trust in faith. God, I can't help myself. I can't stop what I'm doing, but I know you paid the price for me. If you accept much you'll know today you'll have the blessing of eternal life and eternity in heaven that you'll be saved and that's the best blessing you could have but look at these this is just it fascinated me and i needed to share it with you today that they didn't even recognize christ when he showed up he's the one that they needed the whole time amen when we're in our vain religions before we get saved and doing all the other worship, whatever we think we have to do to be pleasing to God, it says without faith it's impossible to please Him. Amen. Uh, but if you're gonna, you know, if you're gonna seek God first, you got to believe that He is God. Amen. But the Bible tells us He's a rewarder of them that do diligently seek Him. But here they are, so many in need, and Jesus is passing right by. You know, the pool is thickly populated. But Jesus passes by unheeded. You would think at least one of them, amen? You'd think at least one of them would say, hey, there's Jesus. And all of them would say, Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus the Messiah, the miracle working Jesus, you'd think that they'd all flock to him at that point. But he's right there in the midst of them. They're only worried about one thing, whether or not they're going to get into that water, Amen. What a testimony of man's religion, is it? Is it not? Ordinances, complicated mechanics, people seeking what they don't understand, hearts filled with doubt, all while taking a pass on the grace of God when it's offered to them. Amen? Don't pass on the grace of God. That's, that's the one thing we need. But listen to this. So we see man's religion. We see who Jesus is what he's come to do, what he's ready to do. But look at the terrible condition of this man as we get on to this one guy. Right, so so there's a there's a certain man here in verse five. He's there, and he's had this infirmity for thirty eight years. So in other words, he's been in this condition longer than Jesus had even been alive at this point. Amen. He's been there thirty eight years. I don't know if anyone here has experienced something for thirty eight years, a burden. I'm sure that this man was feeling rather burdened for those thirty eight years. But this fascinates me. Uh, Jesus saw him lying there, knew that he had been a long time in that cause. He saith unto him, Will thou be made whole? Aren't you thankful today for the compassion of Jesus Christ? That in the middle of all the needs of the world, listen, all these people needed Jesus. 
This is one that he spoke to. Amen. And don't you thankful for the compassion of Jesus Christ today? He he could have he could have picked on anyone but me when the day that I got saved. Amen. But he wouldn't let me. He would. He just the Holy Spirit had me under conviction. I knew he was talking to me that morning. I I'm not responsible for what everyone else does. Amen. I'd say when the day I got saved, there was several others that I think I don't know what, what if they did or didn't. I don't. I can't judge the heart. I just know that. You know, there was a powerful conviction in the in the room, and I was very convicted in my heart, and and I got saved. But, you know, I do look at, of all the people, amen, of all the people that were in the same condition as me, why am I, why am I up here this morning, amen? What makes me, you know, it's just the compassion of Christ, amen? Not, there's nothing that makes me any more special, less special than anyone else, just the compassion of Christ. So here's this man, 38 years, it doesn't tell us if he had been in his condition longer than all the other people that gathered. But what we do know is that he couldn't get into that water, and so he wasn't going to get his need met any other way, and Jesus was willing to meet his need. Amen? So we know that. But when we look at this, Will thou be made whole? Verse 7, The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. You see that? So a couple things that I looked at is that he had people to get him there. He couldn't get himself to the porch. He had people to take him there. Why wouldn't somebody at least be willing to stick around one time? He's been doing this for 38 years now. And doesn't tell us if this is once a year or several times a year. I don't know. It just says a certain season this angel comes down and troubles the water. But somebody's got them there, but every time they get them there, the one thing he needs more than getting there is somebody to get them in the water and they leave them there. What in the world? He needs better friends. Amen? I mean, he gets them to the point. Well, there you go, buddy. Hope it all works out for you. Have a nice day. How do you even live with yourself leaving them there? You know he needs to get in the pool. He obviously can't get himself in. You know what it kind of said to me? Don't go halfway for someone you can help all the way. That's what it said to me. Don't go halfway for somebody if you can help them all the way. Amen? Uh, and, but that's the world for you. That's I mean, listen. Think about a couple different parables in the Bible. One guy had friends that were willing to get him on a roof, cut a hole in the roof, and get him down before Jesus. They were willing to make sure he got his need met. But this guy's friends just leave him on the porch and say, hope it all works out for you. Hey, uh, send a message to us. We'll come get you when you don't get in the pool again for 38. Hey, well, really? Don't go halfway for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? If they had been willing to go all the way for this guy, they could have gotten a blessing from God. They don't know. But don't go halfway. I don't want to be a halfway Christian. I want to go all the way for the Lord. Amen? All the way with the gospel all the way when I can uh, help somebody that's in need. And listen, I, I struggle with this stuff. I'll tell you one that happened leaving here one day. Just because sometimes I'm not paying attention. I'm thankful when I'm not, my wife is. I'll give you this testimony. That was probably a couple months ago. We left. There was a pickup truck that had a flat tire in one of the gravel lots by the silo. Amen. Um, going in near Junction City somewhere. And uh, it looked like it had been there. And, you know, I couldn't see anybody in it, so I didn't think anything about it. Tia was like, oh, we got to turn around and go back. I'm like, there's nobody in the truck. What are you talking about? 
And she's like, no, there's somebody in it. I'm like, there's nobody in it. There's no lights on. It's dark. You know, it wasn't dark outside. It was light outside. And I really didn't see it. She's like, she's like, you didn't notice that that truck wasn't there when we went to church this morning, did you? No, I didn't. So, okay to you. So she does this sometimes. And I got to let, because she gets those intuitions. And men, when you're, when you're, when women get an intuition about something, sometimes just listen to them, okay? Because sometimes they're completely right about it. Most of the time, actually. Uh, but anyway, so she turns around and goes back. And there was a young lady in that pickup truck whose phone was dead. And she had no way to call for help to call and let the person that was expecting her know that she couldn't make it because she had a flat tire. She had no way of changing the tire. She's in a completely rough situation there and car after car and car had passed by and wouldn't help her. And so she's just sitting in the car like sooner or later, somebody's going to come look for me and I'll be sitting right here. But you see, don't, don't go halfway. So we made sure that she got a hold of who she needed to get a hold of, that help was going to come get her off the side of the road. It's, just, it's a silly example, but it's one that popped up in my mind. It just is an illustration. Don't go halfway. I'm thankful that on that particular Sunday afternoon, my wife was willing to go all the way because I was only thinking about getting up to eat or something. I was worried about getting to the restaurant. Amen? Uh, guilty. But that's just the situation there. Don't go halfway. Listen, I'm thankful so far as I've been your pastor here, I see quite a few people that go all the way for the Lord. People that take, keep, you know, the, the cleanliness and things and decoration, they take it seriously, they go all the way for the Lord. That's a blessing. Thank you for that. But you know what? There's a lot of folks that just, just bare minimum, just do what they got to do to get by. That's what's wrong. You know, that stuff can tear up a church. We need servants that will go all the way for our community, all the way for your church, go all the way for the Lord and uh, don't hold anything back. Amen. And so I've seen that message in this. Here's this guy. I'm sure he was thankful that they got him to the porch. But when, you know, Jesus talks to him, he says, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I'm coming, another steppeth down uh, before me. Amen. So the, the other thing that I see about this is... Can you imagine his discouragement at this situation? Time after time after time he's come. He just needs to be the first person in this pool. But everybody around him is putting their needs before his. Amen? Everybody wants to be the first in. So, sorry about your luck, buddy. I'm jumping in ahead of you. Get my needs met. And I don't really know how your life turns out. But as long as mine turns out okay, then, well, I feel okay about it. Isn't that the world we live in? Sorry about your luck, but if my life turns out fine, well, then I'm not going to lose any sleep over your problems at night. No. The Bible's told us as Christians not to esteem ourselves too highly. Amen? I'm going to kind of paraphrase it here, but not to factor us as more important than the person next to us, basically. We need to look out for the needs of others. Amen? And so, here, here's, this, here's this poor guy. He's been in this state for 38 years. He's discouraged. I'm sure he's frustrated. I'm sure that he's feeling anguish. And I'm sure that he's heartbroken. Amen? Time after time after time. But he's still trying. Think about that. Here's the religion of uncertainty. The pool of doubt. That's let him down for 38 years. 
If you're in a vain religion today and don't have a relationship with Christ, if it's just religion to you, it's going to lead you to disappointment time and time and time again because Jesus wants a relationship with you. And that's more important than religion. I'm not bashing on religion. It's good to have religion. But the point of it is, is this gentleman has felt this discouragement. He's felt this frustration. He's felt this heartbreak. He's felt this anguish. He's been denied time after time after time again. But he's still trying. Now think about this. Think about when this pool gets troubled. Think about... The angel comes down. Just picture it in your mind for a second. I know it's kind of hard to, you know, you look at this stuff and you, you try to visualize it. Amen. Here's an angel. Comes down, visible. Troubles this water. I don't know exactly how that works. Whether they stir it. whether what it, You know, the water's troubled. That's what I know. And as soon as it is, here we have what really is a pathetic sight. Is it not? Can you think about this? It's, it's really, it's a pathetic sight to see this. All these people in need of help all trying their best to get into the water. That's the religion of the world. A bunch of people in need of Jesus, they all need help and they're trying to help themselves. That's how God must see it, is it not? All these people, they need help. They need salvation. They need forgiveness of sin. They need Jesus Christ. They need the work that's all been done for it. But they're just, they're just still trying time and time again, doing their best with their best effort to fix their own problem and get into that water. And in the process, none of them willing to count the need of the person next to them more important than their own. It is an illustration of religion today. But with Christ in our hearts today, we know that He can meet every need, including yours, including mine. He's available. Don't pass on the grace of God. He's right here in the midst. He's available. Today is the day of salvation. This is the acceptable time. Get saved. Get Jesus in your heart. Since Jesus came into my heart. Amen? Get that joy unspeakable, full of glory, filling up in your soul the river, uh, the the spring of living water, uh, bubbling up into eternal life. And you know what will happen? You'll look around and you'll see the world around you in a whole different lens. Because you will have that need met in your life. That burden lifted. You'll be saved. You'll have that burden of sin lifted in your life. And you know what will happen? You'll start feeling compassion and love towards people around you. And you'll realize, I want to do something to help them. I want to be able to... You'll want to do everything you can. You'll want to visit nursing homes and do VBS and get out and read to kids in the library or teach somebody how to catch trout in a reservoir or just... It seems like silly things, but you know what? They provide us opportunities to give them the one thing that will really make the difference in their life. The Word of God. This is the one thing that they all need. And I'll do, I'll, you know, I'll, whatever God allows, however He wants to open a door, I want to have that door open. I want to go through that door. I want to be that, you know, I know I'm just, I'm, a, I'm one of these pathetic, sick, decrepit, paralyzed, blinded, dead. I'm one of them as well. But I'm one that's encountered Jesus and has received healing. These folks are begging for mercy. I'm just a beggar telling other beggars where to get their needs met at this point. Amen? That's how we are in Jesus. So I don't want to go halfway. I want to tell everybody 
Now what you need is Jesus. People are going through a hard time. What you need is Jesus. Uh, and more the people around me, their, their needs are, you know, I want to count them. Lord, help me to do this. I want to count their needs more important than my own. Do you know anybody in your life willing to take their shirt off their back to help their neighbor? Do you know anyone like that? Are you like that today? Willing to sacrifice uh, their schedule or their time in order to be a blessing and to be a presence for the Lord in the life of somebody else? Um, valuing the need, you know, the, the person that's just... Yeah, do you have a friend in your life today that's always there when you need them? That just will do, drop what they'll do at the moment's notice and, and be there when you need them uh, for anything? That's that's the stuff we're talking about. That's that's the illustration I get out of this scripture this morning. So I hope I'm not losing you with that. I just, you know, here's all these people and they're trying their best. You know what? If you're still just trying your best, why don't you do Jesus? Why don't you just let Jesus do the work for you for a change? The end result will always work out better. Um, you won't have disappointment. You won't, you won't have uh, the frustration because Jesus will meet your need today. Let's kind of just go over it a little bit more. We'll go a little bit further. Jesus tells him, rise, take up thy bed and walk. Immediately, the man was made whole. And This is verse 9. Take up his bed and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. So we know it was a Sabbath day. Uh, the Jews therefore said unto him that was cured, is it the Sabbath day? It is not lawful for thee to carry thy bed. I'll tell you this. When you surrender your life to Jesus, you're, you're going to have critics afterwards. Amen. There's always going to be somebody that uh, wants to try to bring you down off, of a, you know, off that joy. They want to steal your joy. There's always that person that wants to steal your joy. They find some way to try to do it. Amen. Don't let the world around you take your joy from you. And, and they will try. So will Satan. Uh, so here they are. Now they're, it's not lawful for you to carry the bed. The, this guy, his response is, well, the man that made me whole, uh, he's the one that told me to take up thy bed and walk. He was able to make me whole. I figured I should listen to him. That's the guy's response. Now they immediately want to find out you know, who, who was it. He eventually is able to tell them because Jesus, he meets them. Uh, he meets them at the temple. Amen. And so the guy's at the temple and Jesus comes and he, he meets them. Um, and this is what he says to them uh, in verse 14. Behold, thou art made whole. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come unto thee. Lord, help us today. When we've been delivered out of sin, Jesus does not want us to fall back into it. Amen. He doesn't want us to fall back into what we've been delivered out of. Uh, so lest a worse thing come unto thee. Um, and so I looked at this, I'm thinking, wow, this, this is just amazing. 15, the man departed. So he goes and he tells the Jews who it was, that it was Jesus and made him whole. So you know what we see there? Jesus offered him the greatest longing of his heart to be made whole. In this state that all of these multitudes of people were in, there's a lot of things that they desired. But the greatest longing of the heart is to be made whole with God. Amen? And Jesus meets that need right there. And so, uh, you know, he yes, this guy afterwards, he forwards that information on to the Jews. I'm not sure. Maybe he felt pressured, amen, uh, by his environment around him. They certainly were pressing him about violating the law. Maybe they were going to uh, 
Um, bring him on trial. That seems to be the, what the Sanhedrin likes to do. They certainly had placed the accusation on him. But you know what? If I'm ever accused of being a Christian, I pray that the evidence against me will be sufficient in order to manifest, yes, I am, and I'm found guilty of being a Christian. I hope I can say that today. Amen? Not that it's a bad thing to be a Christian, but if they're going to put me on trial for it, I hope the evidence is sufficient to prove their speculation. Amen? I hope they'll say, yes, Brother Brian is definitely a Christian. We've got no doubt about it. He is guilty of being a Christian. And you know what? We're heading to a day where it just may be illegal to be a Christian in America. A Bible-believing Christian, anyway. You might be able to have a bunch of religion of uncertainty and doubt and disappointment, but if you're going to be a Bible-believing Christian standing on the Word of God, well, we just may be persecuted one day real soon. In fact, many already have been. We've seen that in when COVID hit. I've seen it a lot more than any time before. But I'll just tell you this today. If I'm put on trial for following Jesus, I sure pray I've done a good enough job at it that they'll say, yes, he is a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, whatever come my way, let it be for your glory. Let it be so according to your will for my life, I guess. But he goes and he tells them that it was Jesus. And therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus and sought to slay him. The Bible tells us this today. If you are going to follow the Lord Jesus Christ and identify as Christian, if they persecute him, they will persecute you also. So if you're facing persecution today for your faith, it's because that's exactly what the Bible said would happen. Um, so they sought to slay him. Now they want to, they want to kill Jesus because he had done these things on the Sabbath day. Isn't that they want to put him to death for healing on the Sabbath day. Think about that. Isn't that a little disproportionate? Um, and so we've already had this. Jesus has already been working on the Jews in this area of the fact that um, he can forgive sins because God can forgive sins. And if he wants to heal on the Sabbath, he's the Lord of the Sabbath. He's always, he knows it's driving them crazy, but he's not going to stop doing the will of God. Amen. So even when your faith in Jesus drives the people around you crazy and they can't think anything good about you because, you know, that, oh, oh Sister Donna and Brother Bill, they're always going to church. They're always, you know, Wednesday night, Sunday morning, they think you're always going to the nursing home and doing this, always wanting to do that. Everything's about Jesus with you. Every time I talk to you, all you want to talk about is Jesus in the Bible. And every time you see me, you're giving me a track. And you know what? Don't stop. Keep going for the Lord. Amen? Because guess what? They persecuted Jesus, they'll persecute you. They're never going to be happy about it. Just keep on going for the Lord because it makes God happy and He's the one we're seeking to please this morning. Amen? And so here they are persecuting Jesus, seeking to slay Him because He healed on the Sabbath. Jesus answered them, My Father worketh hitherto, and I work. He's telling them, <laughs> He's telling them I'm equal with God. He's, God is my Father. That's what He said to them. Of course, now you know the Jews have called this blasphemy. Look at verse 18. Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him, because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but said also that God was his Father, making himself equal with God. Well, you know what? They didn't believe Jesus was equal with God, because they refused to, they refused to repent. They refused to see what all of the prophets and everything had revealed to them was that the Messiah was coming. 
uh, John the Baptist, the ministry of John the Baptist, as we started out in John, you just you just realize that uh, it talks about the forerunner of John Baptist being the forerunner of Christ. It just they had everything right there to accept that Jesus was the, was the Messiah that was promised to them, but their hardened heart, their hardened heart, their blindness. You know what? We have a man here who was willing to give up that religion that was doing no good for him in order to accept the Christ that met his need. But now we have a group of people who refused to leave behind the religion to accept the Christ who came to fulfill their law and give them true redemption. Amen? And that's the illustration we have. The law justifies no man, but Christ has the power to justify us through our faith in Him. Amen? So as we get ready to close out this morning... I mean, that's, that's the message, amen? It's just, my heart breaks because so many people today, they have knowledge. They know the Bible, but they don't open their eyes to see the grace of God that's really been offered them in their lives. And they do things because they think, well, if I do this, I'll make God happy. And if I do that, I'll make God happy. The only thing that, makes, the only thing that justifies us today is faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He did it all for us. Amen? Now, if there's things that we know the Bible tells us we do, we do out of our love and appreciation for Him. Amen? Uh, we want to live a certain way so that we can be an effective example of Christ to the world around us because if they don't see any difference between the lost world and the saved and, and a saved person, if we're supposed to be saved and we act just like those that aren't saved, people will not see their need for Jesus in their life. Amen? It becomes a hindrance at that point. It, it, but the great, but religion by itself does nothing for us. It will do nothing for you. You need to accept Christ as Savior in order to be justified. The need that you have today is met when you accept the fact that Jesus has done it all. Jesus has done it all. Amen? It is finished on the cross of Calvary. Amen? So let me have a, a word of prayer with you today. Let's bow our heads. Let me pray with you.